Welcome to the Fem Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White of Gannon, the down-to-earth chick with a different name. Entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to the Fem Nation podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest, Dr. Amanda Barrientes, who is a coach of all things huge in your business. She does mindset, money, manifestation, and clarifying vision for entrepreneurs, which all of that is necessary. So I'm super excited to have you on today. I am so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to jam with you and to share you with the world. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm psyched to be here. Thanks for having me. Let me ask you the first question. It's usually the first question of the hour. How did your entrepreneurial journey begin? And tell us what brought you to this point today that you change lives. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I my entrepreneurial journey really began when I was a little kid. Um, and I hadn't thought about it this way. You know, in the conversation of when women minimizing themselves as business owners or business builders, I haven't always thought of myself as an entrepreneur in the past. But when I was thinking about it the other day, talking to someone about my history of business, I was like, you know what? I've pretty much been self-employed my it, since I was 20, other than grad school, which you're employed by the university because you're you know, teaching as a, um, an instructor. But other than that, I've always owned my own businesses. And I just thought of them as kind of side hustles or like supplemental money. And so, you know, I had an eBay business where I sold, I had like a sports eBay business where I sold helmets and I made, you know, $3,000 a month. And then I was a real estate investor with my dad while my kids were young and I was homeschooling. And then I, um, I did, I was the bookkeeper for my husband's electric car company and which was my company too, you know, but I didn't think about it that way. (laughs) And I have built, um, I mean, I've just done so many things. Oh, for a while I wanted to do a kind of data entry. It was, I was always looking for opportunities from home. I did a network marketing company that I built all the way to the top and then the company folded. And I was like, no. (laughs) So I've always been in that mindset of like, I want to make my way. I want unlimited opportunities for growth. Um, I want the freedom and flexibility. At the time, it was a lot based on my kids. Like I want the freedom and the flexibility to be able to be a mom and be at home with my kids when they get home from school and all those things. And then, you know, when I, it was interesting, I partly because my ex-husband and my, my then husband, we had a really negative experience in a business, uh, in a business transaction. We ended up going bankrupt and, you know, we were young and we thought we did our due diligence, but it turned out that the guy in the 2008, you know, economy crash ended up taking $2 million of people's money. And we kind of put everything into him. We did all this research and we thought, Oh, he's a good guy. And he, you know, we can work with him and he was going to, we were importing electric cars and, you know, it was this big long thing. And it turned out the 2008 economic crash. I think he 
kind of lost his mind a little bit. And he tried to spend people's money to gamble his way back. And so he gambled the money away that we had given like our life savings because we had kind of put all of our eggs in one basket as novice entrepreneurs. And so that took a really hard turn in our marriage. And I thought, I want to go, I want to go back to school and get the most stable job I can possibly get. (laughs) Screw this entrepreneur BS. And so I went back to school to finish my bachelor's degree. You know, it was like in my early 30s, I went back and I was, I finished my last two years of my bachelor's degree. And then I ran into this professor who was like, hey, have you ever thought about being a professor? And I was like, no, I'm a first gen college student. I have no idea what that even would look like. I was thinking I was going to go into social work. And so, you know, then that led me down the path of PhD for seven years, seven more years. And then at the end of that journey, I, you know, well, actually in the middle of it, I started, I had an affair. I left my 15 year marriage. I I started taking these feminist classes and I was like, oh, I need to shift some things in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, I went into gender studies and sociology where there's a lot of talk about inequality and, and equality in relationships. And I really started Mm. to, you know, I break down, I had a history of sexual abuse and I just had all of this stuff that I hadn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so I started going to therapy and then I ended up leaving my marriage and, and then I ended up on food stamps. And so I sought out coaching through podcasts and I was like, Oh wow, this stuff works. And I started to completely shift my money reality, my relationship reality. My ex-husband and I now are best friends. And, you know, I built a six-figure business in one year. Well, I can't say one year. The first year of full-time business, mm-hmm. I, built a, I built it to six figures. And in that whole process, you know, it was like, oh, academia is not for me. It's high stress. Um, I would have had to leave Boulder, which I've been here for 23 years. My family's here. Um, that the economic gain in the high stress job doesn't, from my perspective, doesn't always pay off. So I was like, okay, I could actually become a coach. Like I started having people ask me, what are you doing? Like, this is amazing. Your life is totally changing. I was like, I'm a coach now. And I just decided to like put on my coaching hat. (laughs) And so that is how, and that's how my coaching company started. And I rebranded a little ways in because I had someone ask me, um, you know, tell us what you do. And I started saying, you know, I was just working with a client and they were talking about how I'm a tough, I'm like a tough love dad, but a really soft mother. And I said, well, I'm not fucking around with your journey. I I care about your outcome and I really care about your transformation. And when I was a kid, I always called our teams NFA, team NFA. So it was a team, no fucking around. And then I put it on my Instagram handle, you know, on the bio in my Instagram and people started responding to it. And I was like, Ooh, I need to brand my company this way. (laughs) That was the origin of NFA coaching. (laughs) That's awesome. I want to ask you a question about the coaching in general. Yeah. There, it's a very subjective field. Yeah. I mean, there's many different ways that people can be amazing coaches and, and find amazing coaches, but because there are many different ways, how did you deal with the pos- the imposter syndrome or the possibility of maybe not quite being enough for somebody? Oh, that was so big at first. You know, I, something I really struggled with was a, a, a lot of times I think people have a negative perspective of even of coaching, right? Mm -hmm. They think like, oh, everyone's a coach and everyone's 
telling me they're a coach and do you matter? And what, you know, I had to really step into embracing that part of myself that was like loud and proud. I'm a coach. (laughs) And it, it was really hard at first, you know, and especially in academic world, there's a lot of, you know, like the scientific rigor that I was taught and trained in of a critical analysis of everything. Mm. And now I go into like, Oh, you're the creator of your reality. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. How did that conflict? Oh, it was so, it's been so it's been a journey. You know, it took me a lot of mindset work to go from a lot of mindset work and owning my identity as a coach. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was almost like taking on the coach name and label was part of me getting over imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I'm a coach and I'm loud and proud about it. I get to help people transform their lives. And that is what I want to do. And if you and you and you and you judge and don't like it, go screw yourself. Absolutely. (laughs) But it was, it, it didn't happen overnight for sure. It was, you know, that imposter syndrome piece was really hard. It was like, um, am I, I oddly, I think maybe because of my academic training, I didn't really have the fear that like I needed certain credentials. And I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. that step into coaching have that fear, like what kind of credentials do I need? Um, I don't have any coaching trainings at all. Like I don't, I haven't, I I just Mm -hmm. didn't go that route. You know, I've used my life experience and my behavioral sciences approach. And of course I go to workshops all the time. And, um, you know, I've, uh, one of my main mentors, I go to a lot of his stuff and I use those tools. So I have those certifications, Mm -hmm. but they're not really coaching certifications. Right. And so, you know, I think something that's important for listeners is if you're stuck in that place of thinking you need a credential, ask yourself, why is it because you're trying to prove yourself or is it just because you love learning and and adding new tools to your toolkit? And if it's the adding the tools to your toolkit, awesome, go for it. If it's, you think that you need the credentials so other people will take you seriously, question that intention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for you note takers, write that down because that is so key for everyone in their business. And I, I picked out the coaching piece of it because we both are coaches Uh, And so I can resonate with that. But every single person out there listening or otherwise that we know of in our sphere, our our network of people, we all have a a contribution that is unique and identifiable for us. So in in essence, we kind of are coaches of something to some degree, no matter what we're doing. It could be a service-based business and you could be out there, you know, doing service calls. You're still a coach in something because you're going to educate the consumer. You're going to, you know, help your client. You're going to, you're, you're the expert. So really a coach is an expert. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I want everyone to understand too, that that doesn't just apply to people that have that title. It applies to all entrepreneurship. Owning the expertness is what you're saying is so important because if we don't, then we're going to slow ourselves down. Totally. You know, something that rings that I want to say based on what you just shared is I think sometimes we get stuck when we actually feel like we have to have the credential and we step into a certain way of being trained. It actually dilutes our own expertise and has us doubt ourselves. You know, so it's like, what are you an expert in? You could coach anyone who's one or two steps behind you. That That's all that, that you know, right? It just right. means you're one or two steps ahead of people right. in that expertise area that you're choosing to share with other people the journey and your path and help guide them along the way because you've been there, done that a couple steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. What 
what is one tip or one way that you can share with the audience that you recognize helped you step into the boldness of being an expert leader? <sighs> the boldness of being an expert expert leader. Honestly, it's mindset. For me, I my, the core of my business has become mindset training. And I think the reason for that is because my mind used to so beat myself up with inner critic, doubt, fear, shame, guilt, mm-hmm. You know, thinking I wasn't good enough, thinking I didn't know enough, thinking I would never get out of my stuck situation, You know, very victim-based mindset, and, and not knowing that I had the power to shift it. You know, so stepping into a leadership role or stepping into a, a, a coaching, a leadership, a teamwork role, a win-win role, it's that idea of like, what do I have to bring to the table and how can I honor that fully? Mm-hmm. So my quest has really been self-love. You know, how do I love myself more to bring my fullest expression of myself to the table? Because I trust and know that I have really unique gifts that someone out there wants to co-create with and experience and work with, you know, so I always trust the people that are coming to me to be my clients or in group coaching or whatever it is that I do. I trust that they're being brought to me, like we're magnetized to each other and I have something to bring to them. And so it allows me to step into that leadership teacher coach role because I'm like, okay, I have faith that, that we were meant to be brought together. Mm -hmm. And instead of doubting myself and going, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do I know all the answers? I just let all that go by training my mindset daily in, you know, affirmations. I use, Mm -hmm. you know, meditation. Um, I nonstop avidly learn about confidence, self-doubt, fear, imposter syndrome, all those things that would limit me from stepping into my leadership power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How do you then define success then? I look at success as it's unique to all of us. Mm -hmm. And it means you living a fully expressed, meaningful, fulfilling life, whatever Mm. that means to you, because it looks so different for all of us. For some of us, it means a lifelong marriage with five kids and $50,000 a year. For other people, it means uh, being single, living in a you know, studio apartment and traveling the world, uh, sleeping on people's couches and Airbnbs, Right, <laughs> I mean, I could, you know, like we could come up with millions of different w- versions of success. And for me, it just means that you are, f- you're on your inspired path and you're following your inspirations with enthusiasm and joy. And you're bringing in the abundant life that you so powerfully can visualize and know you want, like you, you allow that to happen and you're, you're in interaction with that daily, you know, so you're driven by your inspirations and you allow the gifts that, that are received from doing that to flow. Mm -hmm. I asked that question only because, um, there's, there's one thing that I want to prove with that question in, in some way, shape or form. I ask it throughout my, um, episodes, but Nine times out of 10, it's not a specific number. It's yeah. not a measurable metric. It's the bigger picture. And it's so true yeah. because I know that, but I want, I want to hear it from other people's perspective because it shines a light on the fact that for listeners or people that are drawn to hearing the conversation, somewhere along the way, they realize that that doesn't those things don't define their success. Money does not define your success. What you get to do with it is actually contributing more to your success than the the dollar figure or or the hard metric. 
does. Yeah. Yes. And I, I love yeah. to feel like that. But it so, is true. so true. How has the entrepreneurial journey changed you as a person, do you think? Oh, wow. It's opened me up to my potential. Mm-hmm. You know, it's allowed me to step into how much impact I can make in the world. You know, like I, after I get off my individual calls with my clients and, and, and do a podcast interview or run a workshop, like I typically have tears of gratitude. It's just Mm -hmm. like, oh yes, I get to show up in the world and get paid to do what I love. What could be better? So true. Like it's the, my, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> well, and the connections, the, I mean, shoot you and I alone, the connection on that one, I'll, I'll give some context around that in a minute, but it, it's amazing because if it weren't for a common platform, yeah, a common social platform on top of it, so the podcasting, the social platform, we would have never known each other. And yet we probably are pretty much neighbors. We yeah. found that out, you know, I mean, living in the same area, you know, so I mean that connection, but this gratitude and fulfillment, these things light me up. I mean, these things are like, yes, here's my team. Here are my people. Here are the, you know, same, similar values, same, similar desires, same, similar changes that they want to make in the world. Yes. It reminds me to not be in my own head and to for, not forget that I'm not a, I'm not a party of one. I am a part of the collective whole that wants to see change and is willing to step in this space to use entrepreneurship as a platform for it. So true. So true. It's funny. I love the platform piece. You know, it's every once in a while when I'm coaching or doing a podcast, I'll like get on a roll and like, you know, have this conversation that I'm like, Oh, I feel like a priestess. <laughs> like, Whoa, weird. I would have never, you know, because I had such a charge on, you know, being raised fundamentalist Christian, I had such a charge on church and, and preaching. And sometimes I like I get into that moment and I'm like, Oh, and what that is is a platform. It's just a platform for sharing platform. your message with other people who resonate with it. That's Absolutely. really all it is. <laughs> it's pretty much the same difference. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> I want to, I want to ask you about, um, your tricks for getting out of victim mindset for empowering women. Yeah. Tell me about that. Oh, wow. I was so stuck in victim mindset for so many years. It something that was really interesting for me. I, I think the combination when you look back at your life history and you get to go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now with the 2020 hindsight of not when you're in it, sometimes you don't understand why things are happening and you might, you might look at it negatively, you know, and then you go through it and you're like, Oh, those were the lessons, you know? And so it's like, I, you know, I had a lot of resentment for a lot of years about being raised fundamentalist Christian and the way that it, it shaped my mindset in a very black and white Mm -hmm. way. And then I stepped into sociology, which is similarly in a lot of ways pits the system to be the problem, right? Right, So so Christianity is like the way I was raised in fundamentalist Christianity, the devil's the problem, right? Right. And and women are subordinate, like men are the masters, women are subordinate and the devil is the problem. Yes. (laughs) And I really got that ingrained in my brain, which is like, if you're a woman, like, how are you going to get out of that? If that's the way it, it just is. 
you know? And so it put me in this really victim mindset space. And then moving into sociology, it was the macro system is the problem. And men are the problem again. You know, patriarchy is the problem. And I'm a woman who's in, you know, I studied intersectionality and it was like, okay, I'm a brown woman in a, I'm I'm a brown, I'm in a woman's body. I'm now a single mom. I'm a first-gen college student. I have all of these intersectional issues that are causing me to be marginalized and holding me in a subordinate space. And I was like, well, crap, mm-hmm. what am I going to do to get out of this? Because it's the macro system against me, right. you know? And so it, 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 it solidified the victim mindset in a lot of ways. So then when I started stepping into coaching, I was like, oh, I have a magic wand to create whatever I want when I step into my full individual power as a brown woman, as a single mom, as a person who is a first-gen college student, as a person who has a history of poverty, like all those things. I was like, oh. I have the power to change this. Mm-hmm. And that recognition alone was so life-altering. It <laughs> is. Know, it is life-altering. Oh, so life-altering. There's a freedom to it, though. Yeah. And there's a responsibility and a freedom to it, right? There is. Yes, there is a responsibility. Absolutely responsibility. Yeah. But we need to honor that, too. It's a lot easier when you're blaming God or, or the devil for your problems or the system for your problems, right? And now I'm, my, one of my main ways that I work with people is telling them that your inner world, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So your thoughts create your reality, Mm. which is so counter to both my fundamentalist upbringing and sociology. (laughs) So I had a a lot of conflict there for a while, but it was like, the more that I stepped into that, you know, like, you know, the, the science of the law of attraction and the science of manifestation, I was like, holy moly, like I daily feel like I have a magic wand to create what I want because now I know that when I, when I believe I commit, I decide and I take action, I can change whatever I want. Exactly. And it's so, so getting out of that victim mindset is really first radical responsibility like realizing that you're responsible for your reality. If you don't like what you're getting, look within, look at your thoughts, examine your thoughts. Are you beating yourself up? Do you believe that it's possible to change? Do you, do you want to change? Are you going to allow the change? Are you going to access resources? You know, this day and age, we have access to unlimited free resources. Mm -hmm. I started to change my reality through free podcasts. Like that's how I change. And that's why I love podcasting because it's free resources on the go to change your life masterfully. Like if that's all I did, I would be a different person today. And of course it led me in the direction of paying for coaches and all those things, but Mm -hmm. it was the beginning initiator for me to change out of the victim mindset into who I am today. And I, you know, anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. So after you change your victim mindset though, what is the next step to owning that space and owning that responsibility? When you say owning the space, tell me more. What, what owning the space of the power that you have? Yeah, yes, the power that you've stepped into. Okay. Um, I, I love this question because to me, it's an ongoing process. It's, okay. a, it's a layered ongoing process. Like every evolution of myself, I step into a new version of myself that I'm like, oh, whoa, I come up against new blocks, new conflicts, right. new struggles, new worries, new doubts, new imposter syndrome, right? Right. And so it's this constantly unlayering where I'm like, oh, I got over that one. Okay, now next evolution in this, you know, spi- I, I think of growth as a spiral, upward spiral trajectory. So you're, you know, you're starting small and, and then there's this up and you're like, yes, awesome. And then there's this down where you get to expand out and go to the next quantum leap to, of yourself. Right. And so it's never that you're all the way there. 
but there's these moments where you get to step into your power, embrace it, um, share it, and then you hit the next part of yourself that gets to grow to the next level of yourself. And it's it's kind of hard for the people around you because <laughs> they're like, wait, but you were here and now you're here and now you're here and now you're here. And oh, whoa, like, how do I keep up? How do I, you know, and it's like, sometimes I don't even know how to, like the, the identity shifts happen pretty quickly, you know? And so it's this, the responsibility of that is how do I hold a space for me to constantly expand Mm-hmm. impact the world and trust that I don't, that I'm allowed to be different. You know, like that's been huge for me going, okay, in this power of me, I, I, the ground is not always there mm-hmm. is the best way I can, you know, kind of visualize it. It's like the ground's not always there. I don't always know the path, but I always trust that I'm going to keep following my intuition and move forward. And as more responsibility comes, I'll embrace it and keep going. So when you're coaching someone, let me ask you this, how, how often do they have to overcome when they get to a decision or a space or a place that they can't shift there because they're like, okay, I arrived at this one, but yet taking that leap or taking that next evolution or taking that next pivot piece, how often, and how do you deal with them staying stuck, wanting to stay stuck? Because that's a, that's an actual component of being able to release them to be able to be that leader, that mover, that shaker, that, uh, you know, contributed to their world. How yeah. is it that they, how do you move them forward from that? You know, <laughs> I, I wish there was like a prepackaged answer, but it's so unique to each individual. Sure. I, I mean, obviously I, I take people through a program and a process, like I have a sure. 12 week program, but what comes up in that 12 weeks is so different for each person. I can say there's some common threads, like every single person. And I, I, I think the equalizer of all people is self-doubt. I'm starting to realize self-doubt mm-hmm. and negatively comparing yourself to other people Absolutely. or to a version of yourself. You think you should be, you know, those, like, I, I always thought I was the only one who experienced such extreme self-doubt and, and maybe it's because of the law of attraction. That's who I attract to work with because it's something I've broken through. Um, but that self-doubt piece. Like, so I walk everyone through self-doubt and inner critic and mindset shifts and things like that. Um, but you know, people get stuck in different spaces depending on the, how rooted it is in their history, how many years they were stuck in that space, um, how quickly they're willing to let go of it. Um, so, you know, it's like, I'll have some people who have a massive breakthrough every session. I'll have some people who it's like, we have several weeks where I'm like edging them to where I know that they're capable of going, but it has to be a slower process because they're just not quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> it does because I do know, uh, I do also know that it is different for everyone. Yeah. But I wanted to put some context around it for the listeners because I know that, <laughs> you know, yeah. I know, I know, you know that, but yeah. it's, there is there is not a, a particular space in time where it's like, oh, I've overcome that because everybody's journey and everybody's differences, like you were saying, really contribute to the whole. So some people, you can get them through that and they have these amazing breakthroughs. Some people you have to work through a few more things. So yeah. for the listeners, the such a component to take away from this is that it's not always an overnight process. There will be pieces of the journey that can actually shift overnight. 
And you can see that, but then there's under layers of this that take time to shift that you may not see them all the way. It's like losing the first five pounds when you're on a, you know, a a desire to lose weight. Nobody notices the first five pounds. Totally. You know, so, but, but being okay with that context and being okay with sitting back in the journey and trusting you trusting your guide, trusting the person that is bringing you that direction, because you have a desire to go forward in that direction. You just need the assistance to get there. So that's what you're assisting them with. That is what a coach can do. That is paving the way for you to see, you see what you're not seeing in order to eliminate it, embrace it and move forward with it. I love that. And something I want to add that I think is so important for listeners to hear is that there's this moment where when you start doing the work or there's moments where when you start doing the work, you think nothing's happening. Right. And, and, and you want it to happen faster than it does. And what you need to remember is that that growth is not a straight line. It's no. not a linear line, right? It's a curved process. And when you're in that, that part that is like you're just starting a new journey, often it gets harder before it gets easier. Right. Often it feels scarier before it feels good. Often you feel like, oh crap, is this going to work? And I'm so tired of this, but stay in the journey of your growth. I promise you, if you stay committed to your personal growth and your personal evolution and raising your consciousness and getting and, and taking action in the steps of your, in the direction of your vision, you'll get there. It's inevitable. You will get there, but it's not always going to feel good and it's not always going to be easy. So I think sometimes the, the, the difference between the people who are successful in fulfilling their vision and the people who aren't is that they're willing to stay committed to it long-term, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So they have faith in the process and they take action on it and they don't give up. It's and, a long game. It is. It's a lifelong journey. I mean, I mean, I don't, you know, depending on what you believe about like after, you know, life beyond this, it's like, it could be a, it's a cosmic journey. Right. Because it, there's so there's infinity, right? Whatever, whichever way, even, even on however you approach that or however you think of that, there is an, there is an infinite something. Yeah. Because we don't actually know anything more than the present. Yeah. 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 So yes keep going, keep moving along. Yeah. So what are, what's something else that could be a takeaway for the victim mentality shifting that? Um, I think it's a really practical tips are I I tell, uh, I I have my clients do an emergency shift list. Mm. So they come up with at least 10 things that they can rely on quickly to shift their mindset in a new direction. Because, you know, your, your life is made up of a whole bunch of choices and decisions and actions. So you're only in control of your thoughts, decisions, and actions, right? Right, right? So if you're in a stuck space, it's good feedback for you that you're out of alignment, which means you need to shift your energy as quickly as possible, and you, which starts with mindset. So I go, okay, what are 10 things you know that will shift your energy fast? Have that list taped on your wall, know it like the back of your hand. And, and when you notice yourself beating yourself up, feeling stuck in the victim mindset, feeling like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Go to your emergency shift list yeah. and take action in one of direction of those shifts. And I'll give you some really simple examples. For me, something that shifts my energy really quickly is to um, you know, go on a trail run in the mountains and listen to a, a, an inspirational podcast. Mm-hmm. All, uh, 99% of the time I will come home from that run 
ready and on fire and re-inspired and reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. You know, my mindset will have dramatically shift. If you don't shift it, if you don't have two hours, let's say, you know, let's say that's a two hour thing. If you want something in five minutes, what's your absolute favorite YouTube video that gets you upbeat, put that on your desktop. And when you feel like crap, go watch it. That's Mm -hmm. a five minute shift. If exercise is something that helps you do 15 sit-ups and see how you feel and then do 15 more and see how you feel. You know, if meditation is something for you, have that on your list. If journaling is something for you, if going to tea with a, a, a dear friend, you know, reach out to that person and even just have a conversation on the phone with them for five minutes. Right. You know, there's really simple ways, but we tend to, what happens when we're in the victim mindset is we get stuck focusing on all of the things that we're afraid of and all the things that are keeping us stuck instead of focusing on the direction we want to go. So shift all your focus to the direction you want to go, use your emergency shift list and go in that direction. That is awesome. My emergency shift, uh, one of my things that came to mind when you were saying that is I get a ton of inspiration when I drive, you know, like, so if Uh, I'm taking the kids somewhere, because I'm already going to have to do those things, but it breaks the monotony of what I'm doing in my office or what I'm doing on my computer. It stops me from that. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, all my things, if I could just write and drive at the same time, it'd be a miracle, but I can't. (laughs) No, I just try to bring all those thoughts back with me, but that's my thing. But you know what you could do? This is really cool. Have you heard it? So I use Voxer with all of my clients. It's an app called, okay. So Voxer, like they actually in there, there's a spot that says my notes and it's you Voxering yourself. What? So when you're driving, I've done this before because same thing. Like I love, I have a lot of ideas when I'm running and I don't want to stop and write. So I'll boxer myself like, Ooh, all these ideas. And and that way I don't have to stop what I'm doing. And it's like a verbal journal. Yes. Oh, I need that. That's exactly what I need. And I've used boxer forever and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun one. That's awesome. Okay. So tell me about your giveaway for the listeners. When you got here? Oh, I have so many awesome giveaways. Um, I think the main one that would, that's fun right now is the money magnet guide. So, and here's why I'm creating a money course and and I'm uh, right now I'm debating with the name. It's funny. I go in and out. I'm like, Oh, what do I want to call it? What do I want to call it? But it's like, really (laughs) what matters is what's in the course and what's in that guide. So the guide's free. It's a couple pages. It's three steps that I use to get from food stamps to six figures. And it's really practical stuff that you can immediately implement. So it's the money magnet guide. And, um, to me, money is such a powerful indicator of our self-worth, of our level of deservingness, mm-hmm. of our money blocks. If you have money blocks, you are going to have a hard time building a business. Absolutely. And so to me, I look to money as kind of a, a symptomatic expression of block of inner blocks. So it's a place for me to work with people because I go, oh, I see those money blocks. And, and, and that if we unblock those... That's how we get to then get you on track to move forward in your entrepreneurial endeavors. Mm-hmm. And so I really like to focus on money. It's like one of my favorite things to do with people. And so I would start there. And, and if you go to my website, nfacoaching.com, I've got like a journal template and the money, you know, all kinds of fun giveaways. That's awesome. I was going to ask, where can the audience find you? Because I know there are people that need to see you, talk to yeah, you, hear you. Yeah. So. so on my website, nfacoaching.com, all, all kinds of good stuff there. And then all my social media handles are NFA Coaching. So I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. I Facebook is kind of like the side note that I'll at some point maybe build. build. Oh, and I have um, a YouTube channel as well. And I have a podcast, Max Potential Habits. Yes. So um, 
Yes. And the podcast is like, um, oh, isn't it like your baby? I love it. <laughs> I know. Yes. Yes. I know. I'm <laughs> speaking on my say, so yes, I know. It's my jam. It's, you know, when you find that jam, you just go with it. Right. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I always tell people like, do what you love and let the money follow. Ask yourself all the time. What can you, what can you do that you love every day and get highly paid for it? And I'm like, if I could just sit all day long and do podcast <laughs> interviews and be on podcasts and get paid millions of dollars to do it. Yes. That so, you know, sweet. that's what we're laying the foundation for, you know? That's, of course. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> break it out. Break it out. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on today. This has been such a pleasure being able to interview you, have a conversation with you, share you with the world. Um, and your work is amazing. You've thank done you. such good work and I love you. So thank I know you. that being in the same general area, we will be meeting up in person and I'm sure that we will share pictures at some point yes. in life. So yes, definitely. but guys definitely check the net, check out the show notes because I will have everything linked for uh, Dr. Amanda, and we will be able to step into what it is that you need in your business by listening to this podcast, rewinding this podcast, taking notes in this podcast, but also being able to connect with her because we are going to be able to change the world one business at a time by learning all the things that all these amazing people on the podcast can hear. So until next time, keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whitedevgannon.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward.